everybody. Good morning. Man, I missed your faces. Seriously, um, what a joy it is to be back. I want to welcome every single one of you. And uh, take a moment actually now, welcome each other. Say, hey, I missed your face. And give each other a high five. Slap on the back. Semester, 
don't worry about that, but that's like three or four students. When we have a group of students get up and leave, um, it's not only disruptive for the students that want to be engaged and want to participate, but you are actually missing out by leaving, by leaving early. And I'm actually convinced that God does actually some of his most transformative work in the final minutes of chapter 11. So by the way, when a speaker says it's time to pray, that's not the cue for you to zip up your jacket and backpack and leave, because you might miss something. You might miss something in that 11th hour in those final moments of chapter. So can we commit as a community that we're going to stick with it to the end? Because let's be honest, two or three minutes early is not going to make or break your next thing. We all got places to go, all right? And we'll make sure that you get, that you're going to end. We'll end early enough for you guys to get out, all right? So I want to pray our way into the text this morning. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43 in your copy of the scriptures, whether it's on your phone or your actual caveman, archaic copy, which I love to carry around with me. So I want to encourage you, bring your Bibles to chapel. We're going to be using them. So uh, let's pray, pray with me this morning as we turn to Isaiah 43. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, thank you. My heart is so filled with gratitude this morning that we get to come to this space, to this time, with these people, with you, that we get to encounter you together in community, Lord May we lay a hold of it this morning. Father, as we just sung a few moments ago, may we have a profound sense that you are here, that you are holy, and that we are standing, we are sitting, we are kneeling before your glory, God. Thank you. I pray that as we unpack this chapter in the next moments, that you would fill us with your spirit, give us hearts to comprehend, to receive your word that would be planted in the soil of our hearts and that it would produce fruit. Change our minds to think more like you. Fill us with your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, beloved, in this text, we're going to see that in order for us to walk in the fullness of all that God has for us this new year, in order to remember our way forward into this new season, new year, new semester, we're going to need to do three things this text, text prompts us to do. Um, you can actually take that down. That's a little bit later. Sneak preview. So um, don't want to distract you. That's the, that's the new thing that's coming later. But we're going to look at something here first. We need to remember who God is. We need to remember who we are. And we need to remember what God is doing or the new thing that he's always up to. And so the first thing is that when we remember who God is, you move forward with humility and hope. And Isaiah chapter 43, it is a long passage. I want to encourage you to read it through, meditate on it. We're going to visit it again on Thursday and pray through it together. But there are eight I am statements in this chapter. And this brings up one of the key central themes of remembrance. And specifically in verse 25, God says, put me, put me. The Lord, Yahweh, your creator, your maker, in remembrance. And why is this so important? To state it in the negative, we're forgetful people. We often uh, forget what we should remember and, and remember what we should forget. But we need daily, fresh, and ongoing reminders of who God is. When we forget God, we lose perspective, develop a distorted view of reality, and fall prey to the onslaught of the enemy's schemes of deception. But Isaiah 43 masterfully reminds us of the magnitude of God's divine character. I love it says right away, verse 1, it says it reveals God as Lord. It says, but now thus says 
the Lord. And I love that thus says the Lord, oh, how we need a fresh revelation and remembrance of the one who's speaking. And I love that the rest of the verse does that for us. It says, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. This covenant-making and keeping God, Yahweh, the one who created us, informed us, redeemed us, calls us by name, our God is transcendent, above and beyond our, all things. Our God is imminent, intimately close in claiming personal responsibility and possession of you see, humility arises out of having a proper and a correct view of God. It's knowing our place in relation to our creator and maker. Hope comes from having a knowledge of a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and who promises that there are better days ahead. Hope comes from knowing that God is a God who is with us. And twice in the, in the first five verses, God states the beloved and enduring words of I and it's also important for us to be reminded of who Isaiah is writing to. At this time, uh, Isaiah is writing to exiled Israel, scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire, away from home, distant, discouraged, and a broken people. But God was near and not, had not forgotten his people, even when they had forgotten him. This chapter opens up with the words, but now, which causes us to look back. In Isaiah 42, it reveals that Israel was blind, they were inattentive, they were falling short of the Lord's plan, they were defeated, they were sinfully disobedient and spiritually uncomprehending, and they were insensitive. Yet how does God treat them? He first reminds them of who he is in order to recover humility and restore hope in order for them to move forward. How amazing is our God? I don't know about you, maybe this could be a but now moment for you right in chapel. Maybe as you look back over this last year, maybe that's been you. Maybe you felt broken. Maybe you felt distant. Maybe you have wandered. But now you are offered a fresh start. God is reminding you of who he is. And he is reminding you that he is faithful and that he has called you by name and he loves you. So this is a new devotion for this new year. This is not a, re a resolution that we just kind of make and then fade away. This is a devotion for this new, this new next semester. May we be devoted to knowing God more than ever before. And we can do that by becoming devoted to his word. That the word of God is the bread of life, the very food for our souls that nourishes a relational knowledge of our creator. And this leads us to our first chapel value, that every single chapel, chapel will be planned with this value in mind, to be Christ-centered. That we seek to glorify and experience God through content that is rooted in Christ. In order for us to be Christ-centered, we must be devoted and feast upon the word. Then we can move into this next semester and year with humility and hope. So we need to remember who God is. And when we remember who God is, we move forward with humility and hope. But secondly, when we remember who God is and who you are, we can move forward without fear and with faith. How many of you, if you're honest, have a sense of fear about new things? Something's new, new class, new semester, new major, new job, whatever. See, we can look back with a sense of certainty in, in hindsight, but when we look ahead, often the unknown provokes fear in our hearts and minds. And I think, let's be honest as well, 2018 was a really hard year in a lot of ways. From natural disasters to shootings to political scandals, national division, government 
shut down, which is still in process, persecution, loss of loved ones, hate crimes, increase of debt, medical diagnosis, refugee crisis, change of a major, another change of a major, breakups, heartaches, and yet another season of our state's professional football team raising their hope only to crush them at the end. <laughs> okay, while my tendency is to highlight the positive and minimize the negative, 2018 did have a lot of really good things, a lot of God things in it. Yet Isaiah 43 addresses our primary reaction to the uncertain, fear. Listen to these comforting words, beloved. Dial in, listen to this. This is God's word for you this morning. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Someone say amen. amen. That is a good word that we can cling to this morning. Not only does Isaiah 43 masterfully remind us of God's divine character, but it also strikingly calls us to remember who we are in light of him. You see, the remedy to our fear of the future is remembering that God is with us. That we are redeemed, we are called by name, we are saved, we are created for his glory. God reminds us of our value, of how we are precious in his eyes, and he loves us. That our worth is determined by what God was willing to pay for us. Not only did, is God, did God give people give peoples in exchange for his exiled people Israel, but this notion points us to the ultimate price and sacrifice that God would pay in order to have us with his own. You see, this whole section in Isaiah is really ultimately painting a picture of the Messiah, the suffering servant who is to come, Jesus. And that in Isaiah's time, uh, he would, uh, Isaiah's time, it was the, this idea of giving people in exchange for them was to bring back his people from exile, from a pagan and godless nation into their inheritance and back into a right relationship with, with their creator. But all this was a picture of the greater and the new work God would do through the cross to bring people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, living in exile and in a pagan and godless world into one unified family and kingdom where they are reconciled to their creator and to one another. You see, beloved, the cross reveals both the wretchedness of our sin but also the immensity of our value. It reveals the holy, just wrath of God but also the steadfastness of his love, this love that casts out our fear. Just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting there around a dinner table with my wife and some of my closest friends and their wives. And in a group of eight of us, we only can get together once a year, always between Christmas and New Year's. And we always do this kind of check-in, kind of what are your hills and valleys of the year. And we were acknowledging for most of the couples, most of us, that 2018 had some significant hardships and challenges and trials and troubles in it. And... started off feeling kind of like, oh man, it was harder than I remember. Bringing up and hearing some of these things and some of the things that were happening and um, just to be honest, it was a very hard year in a lot of ways for, for 
myself in going through some difficult moments and seasons. Um, we, we shared both the hills and the, the valleys, but the valleys seemed to kind of be the central and the main theme for most of my closest friends that were sitting around this dinner table together who were recounting 2018. And it made me look forward to 2019 and say, well, what's to come? I had a little bit of sense of fear, a little bit of sense of trepidation. I mean, on one hand in September, I got to the privilege of officiating a funeral for um, a young woman who I had in youth group whose mother was battling cancer and on the way to the wedding collapsed, fell down, went to the hospital and died three hours before we started the wedding. And I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to go around. I, don't, I did not want, I, I, I wanted to leave. I was so, and again, for people as far as me, I can imagine what they were going through. But yet what a day filled with such grief, but also such gladness. And to see the sorrow, but yet rejoicing, but yet even a few weeks later, finding out that my wife was pregnant with our second child. We see this hill, we see this valley, we see all of this. And this caused me not only, as I was reflecting upon this last year, but it caused me to reflect upon the future. What trials would 2019 hold? Will I be ready? And I was reminded of these words in Isaiah 43. Notice that it says regarding the trials, it says, it does not say when, it does not say when you pass through, but it does not say if, but when. When you pass through the waters, when you pass through the fire, when you pass through. Notice it says three times that these trials are things that we are to go through or to pass through. Trials are not things that we go around or that we go over or that we go under. Trials are things that we meant to go through because in every single trial says that God is with us. And in every single trial, tribulation is the invitation to transformation. Jesus promised us, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You see, trials are inevitable. But trial and tribulation and trouble are one of the key tools in God's hand that he uses us to, sh to, use to shape us further into the image of the one who saved us, which is Jesus, the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And this new devotion for this new year, and as you're walking through, may we be devoted to becoming more like God than ever before, and embracing all that God has for us in prayer, the good and the bad, the hills and the valleys. How? By being devoted to prayer. You see, if, if the word of God is the bread of life, prayer is the breath of life. They go together to bring out a daily, ongoing, lifelong process of being transformed, which leads us to our second key value of tr being transformation-focused. That is our heart for the chapel. We seek development that encourages a genuine, transformative journey. The two legs that we work on, walk on on this journey, this faith walk, not a faith hop, it's the word of God and prayer. Yet there's one more key aspect that we need, and we are called to remember as we move forward, as we remember our way forward into the season. When you remember who God is, who you are, and what God is doing, you can move forward with a renewed purpose and perseverance. You see, a large portion of Isaiah 43 brings to light a key contrast between what he calls the former things, the things of old, and a new thing. This chapter is laced with images of the exodus of Israel, the Old Testament picture of salvation and deliverance. We can see this most clearly, most succinctly in verses 16 and 17. Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. At the time Isaiah was writing these words, the Israels once again, they found, that he, they found themselves in national enslavement. Yet what the Lord had done in the past served as a model for what he'll do in the future. As amazing as the Exodus was and time would fail us to recount its wonders, Isaiah now issues a puzzling yet provocative statement in verses 18 and 19. He says this, 
Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? You see, from the wonders of that earlier wilderness journey, Isaiah now issues a report, or an important reminder. One theologian put it this way, the past can teach and illustrate, but it must not bind. The Lord always has greater things in store. He is revealed in the past, but he is always more than the past revealed. You see, you and I can fall prey to the same issue. We can dwell too much on the past. Remembering what God has done is a good thing. No, it's not just a good thing. It's a great thing, but remembering is meant to be a means of moving forward. We can remember the past, but we must be careful not to romanticize it. Because, beloved, our best days are not behind us. They're ahead of us. As Isaiah declares to a people who he describes as having ears but do not hear, as eyes but do not see, he says, behold. We don't use that word a lot. Say behold. Behold, okay? We don't, it's, it's a way of saying, hey, pay attention. Wake up. Look at that. Behold. Did you see that, that amazing uh, touchdown catch? Behold. Do you see that? Behold. Okay, just, just use behold this next week. Just, let's bring it back, okay? It's a way to say, hello, wake up. God is doing something new. Do you not perceive it? And here's the thing. We get a clear sense of the former things Isaiah is referring to. But this new thing that Isaiah speaks of, what is he talking about? This key question is one that Isaiah answers. Verse 19, he goes on to describe it as this. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. I will give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. I need to sum it up simply by saying this. The new thing that God is doing is this, that Jesus is saving, sustaining, satisfying, and sanctifying us so that we might declare his praise. And may our new devotion for this next year, that we would be devoted to one another like never before. How? By relationally investing in this community. If the word is the bread of life and prayer is the breath of life, the Christian community is the body of life. And these three go together as we remember who God is, as we remember who we are, as we remember what God is doing, we can move our way forward with humility, with hope, without fear, with faith, and with a renewed purpose and perseverance. And this leads us to our final chapel value being kingdom-oriented, that we seek to understand love and journey together as a part of the body of Christ. And uh, inviting Nina Barnes now to come up so that we can share together a new thing that God is doing in 2019 with chapel. You see, chapel has always been a means to a greater end of our spiritual formation and development. And, uh, and so, uh, but yet our spiritual development, spiritual formation is always a means to a greater end of the discipling of the nations, of this grand story of redemption God's painting. And so we're excited of what God is doing to help uh, chapel reflect that, that aspect of our journey and of our walk of faith and transformation. So I want to turn over to Nina and she's going to share and kind of set up and bring us a context of past chapel up to today, and then we're going to talk through some changes. So Nina. Thanks, Justin. Good to be with you. So foundational as part of the mission of Northwestern has always been the integration of faith and learning. Always. The board of trustees, a group of people who are charged with overseeing the operations of the school through a strategic level, have made clear that focus will remain. 
and we're committed to it. Everybody who works here is committed to it. It's the reason that you students choose Northwestern versus another school. And part of the way to integrate faith and learning that was set out years ago was chapel, is chapel. And the board maintains that chapel be offered every day. It used to be that chapel was four days a week mandatory. And chapel was 30 minutes, four days a week. All offices on campus were closed during chapel. So it would actually be a little bit comical to see a student outside of chapel feeling very self-conscious because you couldn't go to an office to do anything. Food service was closed, so it was real obvious if a student wasn't in chapel. That changed four years ago when offices are open. You have more freedom. That was part of the progression of how do we help you steward your life moving from high school into college into adulting. It's, you have chapel now, an average of three days a week you need to come, but you can decide how you do that. There's no one chapel that's mandatory. You can come when you wanna come as long as you fulfill an average of three days a week. When I moved into my role four years ago, when I moved into student life, I looked around and I thought, we, we do chapel this every day. We're only acknowledging one way that students grow spiritually, by sitting in the seats and listening to a message. So how do we acknowledge that just like we learn differently, some of us are hands-on learners, some of us focus more on what we read, what we see visually, some of us are auditory learners, how are we acknowledging that we grow spiritually in different ways also? And yet the focus had been on chapel. Now, we moved to three years ago when I came into the role, alternative chapels, one day a week, only one alternative chapel. Now we have alternative chapels on Wednesdays and Thursdays, all chapels are alternative, even the ones that are in this room are considered an alternative. And so usually every week you have between seven to 10 choices on a Wednesday and Thursday of where you go. You can come into this room or you can go into smaller chapels that have a deeper dive on some topics. Now we fast forward into what we're going to now, which is the spiritual development credit, which we're really excited about. Again, four years ago, I thought about how do we expand beyond the cognitive? How do we expand beyond you sitting and listening to a message? Prayer chapel is more engaged, so that's a way to get involved. But still, for some of us, our faith is ignited when we're serving. Our faith is ignited when we're doing Bible studies. They're just different ways. And so, drum roll, please. That's what we're gonna be doing starting in fall of 2019, is you're gonna have other options beyond chapel in order to, to earn credit. We're gonna be moving away from the term chapel credit to spiritual development credit. So there'll be a variety of ways that you will receive credits. And so why are we doing that? Again, because we want to acknowledge and affirm and encourage your growth in God. How do you become more and more transformed into the image of God? For some of you, it's still going to be coming and listening to a message. In fact, you will still have an aspect of chapel requirement. 
and we'll get to that in a minute. So chapel is still an integral part of this, but there'll be other ways that you'll be able to more and more develop into the image of Christ and reflect that image of Christ into the world. It's not simply about believing the right things. It's important to believe the right things, but it's also important to have the right practices. So just like part of the core curriculum is that you have a spiritual formation class that focus on, focuses on developing spiritual disciplines and practices, part of the spiritual development credit will be you will get to engage in some of those practices and receive credit. So if the next slide you move forward, uh, just to kind of give you an overview of the process of what spiritual development credit is. So really, we're talking about diverse pathways for holistic uh, spiritual development for you as students. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at what it is, why are we doing it, and how to earn the spiritual development credit. So you know, just cover the first one, and I'll take the last two. So what is spiritual development credit? Well, you kind of already, already did that. You kind of already did that. But, but it'll be a variety of ways that you can earn these credits. So I want you to be able to spend most of the time on that. So developing wisdom, developing character, um, service opportunities. And we want to say this, notice it's the integration. Really, it's the head, heart, hands. It's the knowing, being, and doing. So we want spiritual development credit to reflect, have opportunities that reflect those different ways that we, that we develop spiritually. Uh, next, in terms of why are we doing it this way, um, we're, we're seeking to cultivate a lifelong faith formation journey um, uh, at UNW, but beyond. So you look even here, just wherever you're at, so whether you're here for the first year, whether this is your first chapel, whether you're a senior, that you see there's different checkpoints along the way on this journey that you're on, and then notice that after graduation, there's a reason why it's called commencement. It's not, it's not the end, really. It's, it's a launching pad into a lifelong journey of faith formation, and so we want spiritual development credit, which chapel is a part of, to reflect that, and so to, to look at the how, the last slide here, um, so how to earn credit, um, so it basically breaks down this way. So spiritual development credit, um, you can have uh, up to one third of your spiritual development credit can be uh, gained by things outside of chapel. Roughly that breaks down to about one per week. So um, it's not an exhaustive list, but you can see certain things like worship nights. These are pre-approved UNW sponsored events, uh, resident life, community Bible studies, academic department events, UNW community events, including local and global engagement events, club events, and more. And so we're going to be providing some of those uh, strategically, providing more of those opportunities as we're moving forward. And then students will, will uh, get the rest of their spiritual development credit, each quad, through going to chapel. So the other two-thirds is from coming to chapel roughly two days per week. And so the reason why we're introducing this now, and even though this isn't fully transitioning over until fall of, t of 2019, is because this next semester is going to be kind of a sense of a, of a beta test. So it's still going to be called chapel credit. Nothing's changing, but we're going we're gonna to be continuing to sprinkle in more things, more events, more opportunities for you to get chapel credit. We're calling it chapel credit now because that's what it is. But moving to fall 2019, it's going to be called spiritual development credit. And it's going to be kind of an official, uh, really systematic shift in a paradigm shift. And so, um, so we, we want uh, to, as we're moving forward, we want to hear from you and hear your feedback. Um, and so uh, the next, the last slide is as you ask questions, we're gonna, we'll upload these images as well. They'll be on the, the Insta, uh, the chapel Instagram later today. You can contact us and we're gonna be developing a frequently asked questions uh, a portion on the website. Hold on, we're not done. We got, we got, we got one minute. We got one minute. 
Um, and so, 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 so as we're moving forward, um, you'll be hearing more about this, but we wanted to spend the first day back at chapel for this new season semester uh, in order for us to, uh, to, to get, uh, to really kind of uh, really warm up to this idea as this is really a dramatic change in Michigan. And stay so, tuned because this semester you will see evening events and other gatherings that, that do have chapel credit just like we did this fall. Yeah. All right, you're dismissed. Oh, yeah.